0: Welcome to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six hundred and eighty WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday morning, Bill. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Oh,
1: it was wonderful. Uh, good food, good family. It's, it was good, 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 good.
0: Any shopping <laughs> yesterday, or do you do oh, you, no, you leave that no, alone? No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Uh,
1: well. Uh, uh, a little online shopping, okay. which doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's starting to count. I think that's that's in my world that would you know, be preferable uh, to being outside hey, in the cold.
1: Getting out in those crowds, yeah. it's just uh, it's just awful. I, I mean, I think I think I'm the typical man who uh, who shop knows what you you know I, when I go shopping I know exactly what I want I go right to the store I go in I buy it I get out get home you know my shopping experiences are very confined very quick and dirty uh, kinds of things uh, what I can't do what I hate is going to the mall and Going from store to store to store, finding that perfect gift. <laughs> you yeah. know, actually, thanks to me, Thanksgiving is being uh, is all about family and yes. food, family and food, the F and F. <laughs> so uh, it's not about shopping. Uh, and although I, you know, the retailers would not like no, what I'm saying, no, no. but I, I like being at home and sharing family stories and eating great food and and uh of course i i don't mind a little food prep you know i i uh, fix a very mean pecan pie and so that's in fact i've uh you know my my pecan pies are gone you know by the end of thanksgiving day so, which is a good some, thing. I was hoping some would have made it to today, but obviously that is not the case. Uh, which is a good thing uh, for me because otherwise uh, <laughs> uh, I would have to go on a super diet. <laughs> we don't want so, you to
0: have to do that.
1: No, we, we don't. Well, anyway, um, the, the first uh, – I, I do hope that everyone enjoyed uh, their Thanksgiving uh, day. Uh, whether uh, and I'm sure that uh, most of us uh, did uh, get to enjoy great food and and to be around a family at least I I, I hope that you had the opportunity to be with family and uh, so I, I would remind folks of two things of what I have mentioned you know when when you're not around family all the time, you know, you're, you basically uh, see your loved ones on occasion. This, this really is a time uh, where you, you need uh, to t- uh, t- take a perspective, and in particularly in terms of spotting changes uh, in our older loved ones, uh, because folks do change. I mean, as we age, uh, our bodies and our minds don't do as well. And it's uh, it's not because we've done anything wrong, although we might have done that. But (laughs) it's, you know, we might have eaten too much. We might have eaten the wrong things. We might not have exercised like the doctor told us to and things. But the bottom line is, whether we do good things or not, our, our bodies go downhill, and our minds get weaker, too. Um, and, and, you know, we, um, it's, it is a normal for folks as they age for their brains to slow down. Um, that doesn't mean we're not normal. It just means that we might be a little more forgetful and things like that. But, you know, um, I, I think assessments are really important. Uh, by family members because you, you more than anyone know what the norms are uh, and it's it's not a matter of what's normal in the population it's like what's normal for dad what's normal for mom and are uh, are you seeing changes And if you are, uh, it's the kind of thing where, number one, you need to be supportive, but at the same time you need to be on the lookout for, okay, should we get uh, some additional assessments or do we need to worry about uh, getting uh, some uh, care that uh, might not. So, you know, really uh, some of the things that we need to assess would be, are we seeing our loved ones become more forgetful, obviously forgetful, or confused? I mean, th- that that's not a good sign. Um, although there is a normal side of forgetfulness, too. I mean, no one can say, hey, I don't – I haven't lost my keys or my glasses. Or, uh, I, you know, you walk into a room and you're going, why did I come into this room? <laughs> that is normal. <laughs> so – but – it's the kind of thing where uh, if it becomes all the time or far more frequently than it used to be, then that's a bad sign. You know, you can also notice, you know, where physical appearance is more obvious, you know, unsteadiness on, on their feet or particularly if you see hygiene issues um that would not have been the case before you know if you have a person who was taking pride in how they look and now they're not there has to be a reason for that (laughs) so and they may um admit to it but seniors are notorious about oh i'm fine (laughs) so you have to look through and past the i'm fine that's just that's just really really important or or Maybe they're not taking their medications and they're making excuses for that. Um, You know, that's something a little harder to observe, but um, it might be what's going on. Uh, And certainly if you see an abrupt personality change, that, of course, is a big big sign as well. And, of course, um, you know, it's the kind of thing – Part of being supportive is if you see some, you know, bills passed due, things that, like that, uh, that would not have been the, the case. Uh, and, you know, something nefarious could be uh, going on where you have to be very uh, careful. But it's also extremely important for ch- children, adult children, to be very supportive of their parents and and not to come in like the raging bull, I'm going to take over because you can't do this anymore. Uh, that's really a way to drive your parents away from you because we all want to stay in control and we want to be independent. We don't want to be dependent on anybody, particularly our children. We don't want to be a burden on our children. Um, so it's the kind of thing where... How can you uh, be a part of your loved one's life and be supportive and helpful without making them feel like you're taking over? You know, those it's it's a balance and it's an important balance for families to recognize and to, uh, you know, make a difference. But th- this is a a good time of year to make those assessments. I think that's really important for us.
0: Yeah, and as you said that role of, of playing a, a supportive role as opposed to a confrontational one is, is a big key if you do notice some of these changes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you're right. This is exactly the one of the best times to be more observant of these things and keep a keen eye and just to make sure that our loved ones are uh, living their best life mm-hmm. and they're okay. So mm-hmm. uh, those are great tips. We've got a lot that we want to get to on the program today. We want to talk about some trusts. We want to talk about taxes, but we'll do that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection. Today, with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's his website there. You can find information about his upcoming seminar. Boy, the last seminar for 2019, Bill's coming up right around the corner. Hard to believe that we've uh, (laughs) flown through the year at this point. But you can register for free there if you'd like to attend. Bill has two different uh, flavors of seminars. He's got one on asset protection, and uh, another one that we've heard so often about is the one on long-term care assistance and government assistance and VA benefits. Find all that information online at WGALaw.com. Bill, we're having a, a wonderful discussion here about Thanksgiving and spending time with family and some things that we may want to keep in the back of our mind as we're uh, just diving into the holiday season here.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, we're talking about family and how important family, um, what it means to us. Uh, and uh, this is also a good t- time um, okay, we just talked about assessments, but there's an, another um, a message that's completely different from that that is important for all of us. And the, the best way for me to explain it is that it's, um, it is it is planning, it is estate planning, uh, because estate planning is how to take care of loved ones, if you really get right down to the essence of what estate planning is all about. Um and and so uh, the the key here is being able to tell people why they're important to us and how what they mean to us, and it's it's much more than I love you. Uh, it's we you know can we express how important a person is to us and. Uh, here's and and this is you know one of the nice things about this is that it's free it doesn't cost you anything except for the time it takes to reflect on who's important to you why are they important to you and then to write it down that's the hard part you know you might say well my kids know that i love them i tell them that all the time or my parents know i love them or my grandparents know that why should i have to tell them again well it's important to tell them again (laughs) okay so and it really doesn't matter uh where you are in the spectrum where whether you're the grandparent the parent the child the minor child it, it, it doesn't really matter. And so, okay, here's the deal, Jason. You're a young man. You have a young wife, and you have one child who is how old? He's three. Three. Okay, so you have a son that's three years old. Now, you know, I would, I would tell a young family that, you know, you should have basic planning because even though you're young – Accidents happen. Um, You know, I have a a son who's in his uh, 30s, uh, and he rides a motorcycle. I worry about him all the time, not because he's a bad driver. He's a very safe driver. But all the other crazy people out there are not good drivers, and half the people down the – you know, you go down the road and half the people you see are texting on their phones, not paying attention to what they're doing, and you know that – Motorcyclists are are even in worse danger. Well, the point I'm trying to make is that for a young family, you should have basic documents just like – older folks should have basic documents. And so when I say basic documents, I'm talking about a general power of attorney, a health power of attorney, an advanced directive for natural death, uh, medical releases, digital releases, and even a last will and testament. The, the will might be the, the least important in some respects, but it's it is really important uh, for a young parent to have a will-based, Trust for their minor child or children. You know, because what happens if both you and your wife should tragically die? Well, it really would be nice for those kids to have a plan because if you don't have a will that provides for your minor child or children, then basically it's potluck what happens. In your will, you can. Uh, basically request a court to appoint a particular person to be the guardian of your child. And that means the person who actually takes, takes them into their home and takes care of them. Well, that's a real important thing. And most parents would like to control who that person might be because the person you think would be the best person to take care of your child if you couldn't might be very different from the folks who want to take care of your, your child or think they're the best person to take care of the child. And you could end up with a fight between grandparents or siblings or others. Who <laughs> So what I'm getting at is if you and your wife can agree on who it should be, then you can basically set it out into your will as to what you're telling the court as to who the person is is that would be the per- best person to take care of your child. And you can also say, okay, well, that person is the best person to actually take my child in, but not the best person to control my child's finances. And so in your will, you can create a trust and appoint a trustee to handle the money. And you can also set out what your expectations are and instructions and the like. But, you know... The point I was trying to make, and I'm not doing this very well this morning, I apologize, but it is after Thanksgiving, is you need more than that. You really should have a letter of instruction. What would your three-year-old know about you if you died tonight? I mean, what I'm getting at is, and I don't mean to make this into a tearjerker, but Couldn't you write a letter to your child as to what your expectations for your child will be for the future? What your hopes are, what your dreams are for that child? Um, And yes, this is not something that uh, you you would want to write down in – one sitting, uh, I suspect, but it might be a, a letter all about values and the things that you are hopeful in terms of their education and their values and their religion and who they might meet one day and what they will do with themselves and how they will conduct themselves and and the things that you've learned from your parents that you want to pass on to them. Uh, and, and why they are so important to you. So now, truthfully, I suspect your wife will be better at this than you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to assume, that's good to assume for most things, Bill. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's an exercise that should be done, and, it, and, and it's more than an oral tradition. It needs to be written down. And so a letter to your child... Just how valuable do you think that would be to your child if something bad happened to you? But it's also not a bad planning tool for you and your wife in terms of are, these are what we really want for our child. Are we actually doing the things to make that happen for our child or our children? as opposed to just living life and hoping things fall together, that's the difference between planning and not planning. (laughs) So now, in the same sense that I recommend that people write a letter to their children, uh, minor minor children, uh, when I uh, help folks your age, but I also say, look, write a, a similar letter to the guardian over your expectations for them in caring for your child uh, and the trustee if if it's a a matter of your expectations on how they might invest the money and how they would distribute money uh, in coordination with the guardian. Um, And so those kinds of instructions could be uh, very helpful to them, as well as to yourself, because you're basically writing a letter to yourself while you're alive, saying, you know, this is what I should be doing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's helpful. Now, I've sort of explained it in a sense of which most people can can grasp and embrace as it relates to minor children, but the truth is, all of us would love to have a letter, something in writing from our parents or uh, for our parents in terms of, again, why can't we write a love letter, if you will, to our spouse, to our parents, to our grandparents, and, and basically tell them in a direct way why they are so important to us. Why do we come home at Thanksgiving? is because these people are really important to us uh, in many, many ways. Um, And most of the time, it's very rare when people actually express this in writing. And I'm not talking about a Hallmark card. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you sitting down, And yes, you can do this on a computer, but you don't have to. You can just take out your quill (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, pin it on a, a piece of paper. But the truth is, if you do it, that will be the best gift you give this season, and I guarantee it. Yeah, that's that's a
0: pretty solid guarantee, Bill. And I, I hope more, more people take you up on that advice because uh, something like that would be very special and meaningful to to everyone on all sides. Really, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Mm-hmm. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bill, we've had a wonderful discussion on uh, things we can think about after Thanksgiving, being with family, writing letters to our loved ones, telling them how much we care. And now you want to talk about year-end taxes?
1: Oh, you isn't want that to talk awful? about? Yeah, going from the good uh, to
0: the bad. Yeah, well, I'm still on a turkey high, Bill. And you, <laughs> now we need to talk about year-end taxes. No, I'm. I'm being. Well, I'm kidding. This is important stuff.
1: Well, it's important uh, for us to at least uh, remind folks that um, uh, that we all have to pay our share, and that tax planning is helpful. Uh, because, I mean, how many of us uh, want to pay more than we have to pay? And if we can uh, have legal ways to pay less in taxes, why should we not choose that path? Uh, now, uh, truthfully, there are fewer options uh, for folks uh, who do not own their own businesses than Uh, there used to be in terms of tax planning because um, uh, the great majority of Americans today uh, no longer itemize uh, on their taxes. Uh, And truthfully, most of us who have itemized in the past uh, are actually paying more taxes than we used to. That was one of the secrets of this new tax act uh, in that, so there are an awful lot of middle-class taxpayers, uh, and I tried to warn people about it last year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the fact is, is that uh, particularly folks who don't have their own businesses, they're either retired or they're uh, they're employed. Um, and they have uh, in essence a salary or commissions or however but the truth is is that most folks uh, will not be itemizing and so they're taking what's called the standard deduction and it's gone up a little bit so that's good news uh, last year the standard deduction for a single person was twelve thousand this year it's twelve thousand two hundred dollars whoopee and for a married couple it's exactly double that so uh, for this year the standard deduction is $24,400 for a married couple who files jointly. Uh, And um, for some uh, couples, uh, particularly those with uh, two incomes, which is the majority of folks, uh, depending on circumstances, it – now, a married couple – either has to both itemize or both take the standard deduction (coughs) but one of the secrets is sometimes the marriage penalty has actually gone away so um, uh, folks who are married with two incomes sometimes can pay less tax by filing separately and you might say, well, well, why would you file separately? Uh, well, sometimes it's because you can pay less tax. And other reasons might be because your spouse has not done what they should have done with the Internal Revenue Service. And you don't want to be liable for your spouse's income taxes that they haven't paid. So you file separately <laughs> and let them sink or swim on their own. Uh, under those circumstances. Um, But if you file jointly, then you will be jointly and severally liable for any income taxes that either of you fail to report or uh, fail to to pay. Um, So that um, is important for folks to know. Now, uh, there are an awful lot of folks who are close to being able to – to, to itemize and pay less tax, and so uh, there are far more folks that might do better by what's called bunching. <laughs> and so, in essence, what you're doing is you're doubling up on uh, deductible expenses uh, that that those that you can double up on. Uh, one might be charitable contributions and things like that, and so you push two years into one year and so instead of making the contributions in December you make them all in January for the previous year so in essence each every other year you itemize and in the other year you take the standard deduction and that and so you're pushing deductible expenses So you're paying two years of deductible expenses in one year in order to take advantage of itemization. And that's a trick that can be helpful. But guess what? You have to plan for it and you have to know that you're doing it and consciously do it. It's not going to happen just by by luck. And so that – uh, is extremely important. Now, uh, some other things that folks need to realize is that mortgage, um, your your mortgage is is not necessarily um, deductible. Uh, in, in essence, and uh, home equity lines are not necessarily deductible. Uh, so you have to be careful on that. Now, a mortgage to acquire your property. Is deductible. That's a good thing. But let's say you take a home equity line out to pay off credit card debt. That's no longer deductible. Um, uh, in other words, the interest that you pay on that equity line, because um, um, that's an interest deduction. Uh, so that. Uh, so, but it. But on the other hand, if you take an equity line out to. Uh, put a new roof on, or um, a new air conditioner, or, or in other words, an expense uh, to your house, it is deductible. So, um, it, it's important for you to uh, keep uh, records of the reason that you might uh, take that out. Uh, and, and quite frankly, let's let's say that uh, you refinance your home. Uh, and you borrow a whole bunch more money than what um, was owed on it when, uh, you know, and, you're, and you're not putting that money back in, you're using the money for something else, well, then you've got a case where part of it's deductible and part of it's not deductible So uh, it's uh, important. Now, uh, business owners do get a break, but this is where they need to talk to their – tax professional about the qualified business income deduction which is actually an extra 20 percent off the top of their business income that really is a big help for those folks who have a business Um, and if you're not aware of it you need to be aware of it because uh, your tax preparer certainly needs to to be aware of it Um, So um, now, um, obviously, folks need – there are a lot of other uh, tax uh, rules out there um, in terms of – and capital gains, long-term capital gains is really important. So you need to understand uh, about holding property long enough so that it would be treated with capital gains treated because – uh, those folks with fairly low income, you can actually have a zero capital gains treatment. A lot of folks don't, don't realize that, but that's sweet if, if you're uh, into that um, bracket. And so, for, like, for instance, uh, a married couple filing jointly that have income under $79,000, you're looking at zero percent capital gains. Well... That's pretty darn darn good. And most uh, there are an awful lot of folks who are in that 15% capital gains bracket. And of course, for most folks, uh, particularly middle class folks, 15% is a whole lot less than what they would pay for ordinary income tax. And then the highest capital gains rate is 20% federal tax. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, truthfully, most... Middle-class wage earners, uh, or just middle-class folks, are in the uh, in a tax bracket that's uh, over 20 percent. I mean, a lot of us are in that uh, 22 um, to 24 uh, percent bracket. Uh, Now, if you're making a whole heck of a lot of money, then you're in an even higher bracket, and the capital gains treatment is even more important. So you you need to understand when you're selling uh, stocks uh, how they're they're what's called washout rules, and that's important in terms of what you buy and what you sell and when you do it in terms of getting the capital gains treatment. Um, Now, One of the most important things that a lot of folks don't understand is tax basis. And capital gains is based on how much profit did you make. And to determine profit, you have to know your first number. In other words, what's your acquisition cost? And your acquisition cost is is your tax basis for capital gains. Uh, and, uh, acquisition costs can, in, and it, in, it includes, uh, the fees and things that you paid in order to acquire, uh, your underlying property, whether it's stock or real estate or the like. And then you, sometimes people hear me talk about step up in income tax basis, um, Uh, actually it's a step up or step down it's rare to see a step down but it does happen in essence if you acquire property by inheritance uh, and it doesn't matter how you get it whether it's through a trust uh, or through a will or through intestate succession um, then you acquire a, a new tax basis uh, with the inheritance. And the new tax basis is the fair market value of the property acquired at the date of death. Now, there's also an alternative uh, date, which is six months later. But for most of us, it's going to be the date of death value. And that's true whether it's an increase in value or a decrease. In value, So you can have a step up or step down. But most assets that have been held a long time, like a home or, you know, if you bought Microsoft stock 25 years ago, it's much more valuable today than it was 25 years ago. And that's what's called a step up in income tax basis. And what that means to you is that if what you sell it for is equal to or less than – what it was worth at the date of death uh, and, and a good example would be you inherit a home and you have it appraised and the fair market value is $350,000 and then you sell it three months later and your, uh, your appraisal was three fifty, dollars and you offered it at $350,000 um, and you sold it for $350,000. But you had to pay uh, realtors' fees and legal costs in order to sell it. So instead of $350,000, you actually netted, let's just say, $335,000. So that'd be a $15,000 loss, long-term capital loss. Now, you can't take it all in one year. You can only take $3,000 a year. That's where they screw you in the tax code, <laughs> but, uh, but you can hold it over. And so for five years, you can take $3,000 a year for a total of 15000 for a loss. And so, you know, uh, take, you know, when you can take advantage of the tax code, that's exactly what you do. And the step-up in basis is a nice gift to us because a lot of us, quite frankly, don't know what the old basis uh, was – Uh, and so, and if you don't know what your basis is it's zero, which is not a good thing, it increases your capital gains. Uh, so it's, uh, comes down to, uh, sometimes that date of death valuation is, is a real blessing for you.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And having access to that information and making sure that you're aware of that before you get into a situation where you're selling an inherited property or something like that. It's good to know what you're dealing with and the tax implications of those. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. You can find more about Bill at wga-law.com. That's his website there. You can find his podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast. You can find that in all the uh, podcast marketplaces that you may have access to. It's a wonderful show. You get uh, short quick bites from Bill and about uh, five to ten minute variety there. So quick and easy to listen to and to learn with. And you can also learn at his seminars. You can find more about those at Law.com. Bill, I know you wanted to spend a little bit of time on trust this morning, so let's go there.
1: Um, yeah, I, well, as you know, Jason, I, I love using trust planning for clients. And Uh, as you know, uh, I'll be doing a seminar the second Wednesday of December uh, on using trusts uh, and also on asset protection. So it's about uh, trusts and asset protection. Uh, Now, a lot of folks ask, well, you know, what are the parameters? Why would you use uh, a trust? And so uh, there are a lot of different kinds of trusts. And Uh, so I want to talk not about a testamentary trust that's that's the kind of trust that you put in your will and of course uh, earlier I was talking about why you and your wife Jason as a young couple with a minor child um, might use a testamentary trust uh, because it's highly unlikely and uh, that you and your wife will die, but you want to take care of that scenario in the event that a tragedy might occur. Uh, seniors oftentimes use a testamentary trust for their spouse in order for asset protection purposes. And this is something that we talk about in both our long-term care seminar and in our asset protection and trust seminar. Um, but it, it's a, an extraordinary tool um, for seniors to uh, leave all of their property in trust that's asset protected for their spouse. It also works with Medicaid where they don't have to endure the five-year look back or sanctions. Uh, and it can be extremely helpful when a spouse dies while when the other spouse, the surviving spouse uh is very old or sickly or needs uh, nursing care or is already in a nursing home, uh, it's a way to protect all of those assets for not only the surviving spouse so it can supplement their needs, but it also uh, protects the resources uh, for the family as well. Um, but um, let's talk about living trusts, and living trusts uh, is what it is meant by – Creating a trust while you're alive. In law school, they were called intervivos trusts, but you know now we call them living trusts. We're a little kinder to people, but it basically simply means one that we create while we're alive. Now, the biggest mistake I see with uh, families who have created a trust is they never went through the process of allocating their property to themselves as trustees or what we call funding the trust. You know, a lot of folks come to me and say, Bill, will you uh, review our trust? And one of the first things I always want to ask is what's in this trust? What have you transferred uh, into this trust? And about half the time they look at me and like, what, you mean we were supposed to do something other than sign this document? And it's like, yeah, you've, you have created a horrible problem. There's no reason to have a trust agreement unless you're going to transfer all or most of your property into that trust during your lifetime. <coughs> it's the transfer during your lifetime – that gives one of the basic reasons why a lot of folks think they should have a trust, and that is to avoid probate and court administration of your property um, and for the speed and ease in which a trust can be administered uh, and moved to the next party, which would normally be your spouse or children, uh, through your trust. And, and that is one of the, the real ad- advantages – of having a trust uh, is for the ease uh, in terms of what it does for your family at your death because you can, if you've transferred your property to yourself as trustee and you're holding the property now in a fiduciary capacity uh, under a trust contract, then, then uh, that property is not subject to court administration. So, yes, you avoid that court administration. Now, I'll be the first to say that while if you have um, a you know, sufficient amount of resources to justify that, uh, then that's a good reason for doing a trust. It's not the only reason. In fact, it's one of the poorer reasons to, to create a trust in North Carolina, Because court administration in North Carolina is not god-awful like it is in some other states. Uh, I I would hate to go through um, court administration in South Carolina or Florida or California or New York or New Jersey because in places like that, it can be extremely expensive – uh, and in an, an awful lot of jurisdictions, people use a trust simply to avoid court administration and the costs of it. North Carolina is really a very moderate state when it comes to those costs. Now, I'm not saying that court administration is fun or that folks should rally to do it. It's just that if you don't have a trust, it's not god-awful in North Carolina as it is in some states. But um, uh, but to the degree you have a large estate, then a trust will save uh, a good bit of money. Uh, now, here's, here's one of the things that a lot of folks need to understand. Trust-based planning is, in fact, more expensive because it's far more comprehensive than will-based planning. Duh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, now, uh, so it's more expensive going in. When, in other words, at the time that you create your trust and you fund your trust. Uh, however, it's much faster, easier, and far less expensive for your family when you die. So it, it's sort of like that old Midas commercial, you know, where pay me now or pay me later. Uh, pay me a whole lot more later. And so <laughs> – Uh, And trusts sort of work that same way because, yes, they they do cost more, but they make it much easier on your family in terms of court administration. Now, there are lots of other reasons why I think trust planning can be extremely helpful, and one is asset protection. It can—now, revocable trusts do not give people asset protection until you die, and that's assuming— that you create an asset protection trust for your spouse or your children at your death. Now, you can do an irrevocable trust while you're alive that give you asset protection, give your spouse asset protection, give your children asset protection while you're alive. But uh, uh, most people don't utilize those. I mean, they can, but most people don't. Um, Now... um, There are lots of other good reasons. One of the reasons that a person might use a trust is to do a disability plan. Um, That means that you've created fiduciary instructions for somebody to spend your money on you the way you wanna be taken care of if you get sick. Now, you can't do it any other way other than through a trust agreement. And so that, that can be important. But it also gives you the opportunity to leave your property to your spouse and your children the way you want, when you want, with asset protection, and a lot of other goodies that, that really are the reasons that people should use trust uh, often.
0: Knowing exactly what you want to get from your trust is hard because you got to know uh, exactly what you want to do, and having someone to guide you is so key in that. So if this is something that you've thought about, uh, I recommend that you sign up for the December seminar. That's December 11th, where Bill will be having a free session uh, going over trusts and asset protection there. Uh, you can sign up at WGALaw.com, law com Or call 919 256 7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF, this is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here reminding you to head over to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website where you can register for December seminar. It's a great time of the year to go ahead and attend one of these. I know a lot of us have lighter work schedules as we head into the final month here of the 2019 register online wgalaw.com or call 919-256-7000 if you enjoyed the conversation we just had related to trust i highly recommend you attend bill's asset protection seminar again find more information at wgalaw.com we got to get out of here thank you so much for joining us we hope you'll do it again next saturday at 11 it's asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf have a great weekend